0: We're back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington. Kevin, we're back. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all
0: right. The The, the Phillies are undefeated in the postseason. <laughs> the Eagles are undefeated. And now that the postseason is... Is over here. The Philadelphia Flyers are undefeated as we head into the new campaign. Yes. Um, we're here today for your 2023 2024 season preview. Uh, before we dive into it, follow us uh, pretty much everywhere, all your social medias. We're at YWT Podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Help us out over there.
1: Yeah, I like how you tried to kind of parlay all of this with the Flyers went undefeated in preseason this week. No, 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 I know. And, they, and they start anew with a clean slate. Right. Yes. Oh, I know, but I'm saying, like, in addition, let's tie in the fact they won two games this week in the preseason, so they were undefeated sure. in the preseason this week, and they are currently undefeated as the season gets started but exactly, as it games. is not you know it is not like but the funny part is is this is exactly the way last year started it's True. exactly the same middle of a Phillies playoff run where excitement is at an all-time high the Eagles are undefeated pretty good and, stuff I mean like this is the way you want it to be before we and, do start though how, yeah. do, how would you like um for you know I, I this is a special occasion it's our season preview show yeah. it's a special occasion right so how about a surprise okay I've got a little something that I'm going to hold up here that belongs on the set, but I didn't want to just have it sitting here for the start of the show. So Um, bear with me. And by the way, I'm sorry for the people who are listening to it. You need to be watching the YouTube channel for this. Absolutely. Check it out on our YouTube channel. Bear with me for one second.
0: Yep. Hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Hit the like button on this video. I'll fill some time with some plugs while Kevin's setting it up. Are you ready? All right. Ooh, the new sweater.
1: So we're going to put this... We're gonna we put gotta, this on the backdrop. So again, uh, you know, apologies for the lack of editing here. I'm just gonna turn around and put this in. The that's backdrop.
0: fine. But for those listening, it is the new home jersey. Uh, do, okay, before you turn it around, before you turn it around, okay, do we have a name and number on there?
1: No, we do not because okay, it's just, we it black. is a prop piece. Okay, so.
0: okay, fair enough, fair enough. I was gonna. I was- I was going to play the guessing game on who it might have been, but no. No, I'm not going that far. Fair.
1: Now, here's the thing. You can see there's two different jerseys behind me now. Oh, you can see the different so colors. Oh, you can For see the color sure. difference. For Absolutely. Sure. It is this, it, here's the thing. I, now I've gotten the chance. to I covered the three preseason games at home, obviously, so I've gotten the chance to see these up close or as close as I can get anyway, um, three times now.
0: Somebody call Gordon Ramsay. That orange is burnt. <laughs>
1: The whole design, the design as a whole is very clean. I mean, yeah. The I, I think the only gripe that I really see a lot of anymore is if the numbers on the sleeves had outlines. I, I mean, agree. really, that's about right. it. Like, like, truthfully, I didn't think I was going to like the lack of like the piping over the shoulder that much until I saw it in person. And I'm like, I this works.
0: Looks, I will admit I was a major critic of this jersey. If you listen to the show over the summer when we got our first looks at him, <laughs> him I, I yeah. I came out and said it on the show here. It looks like a beer league jersey, blah, blah, blah. I will say, having seen it uh, you know, in action here, only on TV, obviously, I haven't gotten the view you've gotten there in the stadium. <laughs> but uh, it does look far better than I expected it to look. And, and I knew that it would on the ice. And uh, I do still think that the numbers on the sleeves are a yeah. little, little beer league-y, a little electrical tape-ish. Well, uh, and the but, reason
1: being is because they called it a nod to like literally 1967, sure. which is the way they originally were on the jerseys. And I get that; I understand Absolutely. you're trying to do the heritage thing. But here's the thing: in 1967, that, when there was not exactly the most detailed jersey designs on the planet, and, and oh by the way, like the material the jerseys were made out of back then, like you had people literally <sighs> stitching everything together right. piece by piece, almost. So you, yes, you wanted somebody who could literally sew on like a piece of black fabric onto your sleeve you know hey here's your number in just you know one solid color because that's the best we can do right it's like we're you know it's a little further it's along now fun. and i think people like the way that those numbers are so yeah i understand that one but the rest of it looks really good i and absolutely what I re- agree what yeah. i really like is and it's kind of hard to see with with me in the way so and i'm not going to constantly move here that's fine but the bottom part of the jersey where it used to be you know, orange the white stripe it had it the, came up had and the then, white band right. right and you can see it a little bit over my shoulder here like you can see it on this one yeah. so it used to be that now it actually is a solid like the black band that's around the, the bottom of it just blends right into the pants kind of it does look and then it really goes nice. into the burnt orange so it just it, yeah it's it's it a really a nice little more touch.
0: solid trunk all the way down it's gonna look great as a fan <laughs> jersey if you're wearing oh, yeah. you know a pair of jeans or something with well it, and, like, and i'm gonna tell
1: you right now there are a lot of people who are already on that train. I saw a lot of the nude. I mean, there's obviously a lot of. How many of,
0: How many Mitchkovs?
1: Um, nope. Haven't seen that yet. Really? You, you know what it is? I don't, I don't know if they're customizing them yet right now. I think it is just. Because here's the thing. As we get into this. It was preseason for everybody. And I kind of detailed this a little bit last show. Because the scoreboard didn't work for half the first period right. of the first preseason home game. Most of the building is is still kind of going through a phase of construction, so to speak. I think that most of it's the event level. So most of it's a part that people don't get to see. It's back of house. It really, really actually affects me more than it affects everybody else. Fair enough. We were, we were doing press conferences in the preseason, road game style. Right. We there's, talked about this on our last show with everybody the backdrop. Coming through, yeah. And the, the locker room's not ready yet. And neither is, I guess, There's, a, I think there's supposed to be another media room. There's a lot of stuff that's been done, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be They're done still in, tweaking the next, it up. Yeah. in the next next at this point about a week and a half right still you know finished it, a little less actually stuff like that um, right? now to, for i thought i heard something about the team store also got gutted in this whole thing so that's also been on. so right now they're kind of selling these things in a pop-up shop if you will even just around the concourse or outside or whatever so pretty much it's blanks and a handful of players and i've seen sure. I've seen several, like, Travis Konechny's are out there, and you've got – I know that just from the pictures that came out of, like, hey, by the way, here's, like, the pop-up stand. There was Tippett. There was York. There was Farabee. There was Couturier. There was Lawton. So they have – and I, I, I don't recall. I'm trying to remember. I think Hart was probably one of them. I was, them gonna, two, I was curious obvious. if they had Hart up And the thing is, is I'm not walking around looking for this. Like, you know. Right. It wasn't the same way at all, but, like – you know it, it is what it is so have you
0: have you gotten a close up look at the road sweater yet
1: um not really i mean like because and the thing is like i'm not i'm not typically on the road to begin with so it's not really going to be a thing for me to see but i didn't know if you saw them anywhere float no but here. like well and you know to to my knowledge they're not for sale yet oh,
0: i mean I,
1: I, I shouldn't say i shouldn't say that like the team store did not make any advertisement or anything of the sort about the road jersey being available no okay fanatics did now granted you know you're taking a roll of the dice with fanatics so yeah tread lightly but at the same time that's the only place i've really seen the away sweater being made available to this point i'm sure there will be other locations um that will i'm sure that the team store will eventually have them the team store will like one of the things i do know is that the team store also seemed to as far as i can tell had a lot of like, the players are well, – if you've seen some of the clips that the Flyers post on YouTube with the, with the player interviews and things like that, the players are wearing these, like, workout-style T-shirts that are kind of camouflage looking and they have New Era of Orange across them and things like that. They, those are, I think, available in the store, things like that. So a lot of stuff is based off of the New Era of Orange, which, I, which at this point I think is going to be the hashtag. Like, it's pretty much – it hasn't yeah. been official, but, like, I think you're, you know where it's going by now. So anyway, you get the point. I have not seen the two. I have not seen the away jersey up close. I have seen this one up close. It's it's pretty nice. You know, I'm not trying to make it out to be perfect. Like, yes, the numbers on the sleeves leave a little bit to be desired, but the rest of it looks really nice.
0: Yeah. I will there's definitely lot give of, it a grade up from where I am. There's a lot of
1: things. If you, go, if you were to go down there now, and I know that you haven't been able to yet, and I know you will want to at some point, so I'm giving you a preview now. And for anybody listening or watching right now who wants a preview of kind of, listen, if you're thinking about checking the team out this year, because that's really all it is, it's not, like, not going to be the home ice advantage that it typically is, sure. let's sure. be real. Sure. But there are a lot of nods to things that should be familiar to people, especially if you're the long timers, if you're the diehards of this. The jersey color is one, obviously. They went back to kind of the roots of that. And they even showed the video at the beginning of the whole thing where the jersey that's labeled, I think, 1981 to 2004 or something like that. Yeah. And they and they show it busting out of the trophy case, kind of like out of the display case. It's, it's back. The Center Ice logo, it feels like home again. Like, it just does. You see that double logo oh, yeah. at Center it Ice? It feels like home. It just straight up does. Even down to one of the pet peeves that a lot of, you know, big traditional Flyers fans have is the let's go Flyers chant. Cause if you start, like you hear people who do it and it's, it's just, it's the cadence of it. It's there's a cadence to it that is kind of pronounced. It's, it's their Absolutely. own, you know, things like that. Well, they've kind of done away with one of the things I've noticed so far, they've really kind of done away with the processed packaged music to an extent for certain okay. things. Like, yes, you're playing songs in between breaks in play. I'm not saying you're not, but Lauren Hart came out to do the national anthem all three times for this game. And it was not some pre recorded thing that like backing track that she was singing to. The organist was there playing the organ live organ. Yes. And so is, so is whenever someone scores against them and you get, they try to get everybody to say, let's go flyers, right? It's done the traditional way. It is not some other thing that they're trying to like pump in. You've got a guy playing, in the cadence that everybody wants it to be. I,
0: I have a feeling that's your president of hockey ops who spent the last 20 years on the television side of things.
1: Oh, it's definitely I, a Jonesy effect, but there's, I, I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't also call it a bit of a Dan Hilfrey effect. That is like, fair. You know what? I like somebody up at the top's gotta be listening to I, it. I
0: consistently forget that. Dan Hilferty isn't just an executive who we like and who is doing good things that I, I continuously forget that he is a bleed orange Flyers fan.
1: Well, and he's learned he look, he's learning a lot on the fly and we understand this and of know course. this. I get that. But something that I think is really important is and I, look, you may remember this and you may not. So I'm not worried if you don't, but just well, it's actually no, because it goes hand in hand at this point. Okay. What is what is Dan Hilferty's title equivalent to what Dave Scott's title was when he
0: had it? Dan Hillferty's the CEO, right?
1: Well, that's part of it. He is chairman right. and CEO of Comcast right. Spectacore, which is therefore the ownership of the team. Right. But he has a specific title that is related to the Flyers.
0: I'm, that I'm they not. Gave.
1: It's governor. Governor oh, of the Flyers, right, right. which is what Dave Scott's title was, and it's what Dan Hilferty's title is. There's a kind of – there's a – Footnote next to Keith Jones's name, too, because yes, he is president of hockey operations, but he is also an alternate governor. Oh, which tells you how big his say is that in is even fair. those types of operations. That he is pretty much right there. Like he's right there with Danny Briere in terms of the hockey op side, but he's also right there with Dan Hilferty in terms of how do we run this thing.
0: Is Keith Jones the single most important man in the Philadelphia Flyers organization?
1: I mean, he is. The, I don't. I don't want to say. He's really, really high on the list. I don't want. I don't want. Well, no, I'm not going to say really high on the list. I don't want to say single because I think there's a list of most important people to this process, but he's the top of the list.
0: I, I think he is the keystone. Like, if we're going to use the Pennsylvania analogy, yeah. here, he, I he mean, is the keystone. If he's of it number
1: all. one, I mean, I look. Hilferty's not even number two on the list at that point because Hilferty's kind of along for the ride. No, I, kind I agree. I think playing I think, I think it's, Briere it's, is two. Yeah, Briere is two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and then
1: and then probably John Tortorella is three. You know, right? Like the way
0: the, the way the organization is, right. you're looking well, at, the, on at the end product the, is the first. Because and at the end of the
1: day, too, Dan Hilferty is not part of like I, I believe I saw they had a like they they have their typical preseason NHL Board of Governors meeting. Dan Hilferty's not on that, and I don't believe Dave Scott was either. Like, n- not the same. Like, obviously not like Ed Snyder was. Ed Snyder was pretty much the, the lead dog of that he whole was, thing yeah. for a while, you know. But
0: yeah, there's the NHL Board of Governors, and then there is the the club, it, the, the well, six it, or seven owners that are kind of the actual. Well,
1: because because now the the head head of that group it's Jacobs, it's the Bruins owner. Yep, who's Jeremy leading Jacobs. that charge now? And I mean, yep. he was he was probably second in line anyway. That's fair to say. But, yeah. Well. Like, and the Wurtzes
0: were up there for a while. The, the Chicago Yeah, that's true. Group.
1: That's true. Um,
0: Not so much recently, especially well, and it, with and one, and, away.
1: Well, exactly. And, and I obviously that, they, yeah. A whole other anyway. stuff. Yeah. I know. Uh, there you was a whole to, into that organization. But anyway. Yeah. But either um, <laughs> way, either way, either way. So that's, but that's really like, it does. There's a lot of elements that feel really good when you go in there. There's a lot. And it, it seems
0: like they're doing things the right way. This it's is. So a lot of the complaints about where things had been heading for the last 10 years or so, basically since Ed Snyder had passed away was that things were heading in the direction of a sanitized corporate ownership Mm -hmm. bad situation. And that is, that is essentially where the flyers have been for a decade and a half at this point. And with Dan Hilferty, kind of in charge, it feels a little closer to what it was, where there's someone who heart and soul loves the Philadelphia well, Flyers. Family atmosphere, too. And you want yes. it to feel family
1: run. I mean, and let's put it this way. One of the biggest things, and this is a little piece of news, too, because this came out this week, one of the big events they're having, we kind of touched on this a little bit. They're having, obviously, they're having a Flyers Hall of Fame induction this year. And Mark Recchi's going in. It's going to be January 27th prior to a game against the Boston Bruins. Now, why is this significant? Well, first of all, in, in the case of specifically Reckie, he played for both teams. He yep. won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. There's a tie there. So it makes perfect sense. Oh, to be reason. fair,
0: Mark Recky played for about a dozen other teams, too. Yeah,
1: but he won there, and that's one of three. Know, and it, know, and, know, and it is where he retired, ultimately. He, he literally stood on the ice after that Game 7 and said, I'm done. Yep. This is a great way to go out. And he was right, obviously. And now he's a Hall fair. of Famer. League wide. Look, the reason. Look, it's it's kind of shocking. It's taken this long for him to get into the Flyers Hall of Fame because he was a hockey Hall of Famer first. A and B, he played the most years of his career with the Flyers. Ultimately, he was here twice. You know, so so okay, that's already a big enough deal because we know how these ceremonies typically go. They're done even during the corporate portion of this. They were done the right way because let's let's, let's, just you got to qualify the corporate portion. Pretty close to it, anyway. I don't think it was exact. It was right before, I guess. Okay. When, when, no, when they brought Lindros and Leclaire back together, and, yes. and it was li- really it was b- b- it was not even a big deal as big of a deal for Leclaire in terms of coming back because there Lindros was really no bad back blood, back blood the there. It, there was no bad yeah. blood there. It was it was Lindros. There was yeah, Eric bad blood back there, was the big and story. he came back and they buried the hatchet, and it was great. And he and he's still a huge part of it because by the way, here's the other half of the event. The other significance to it being a Flyers Bruins game on a Saturday afternoon where you're putting a player into your team's Hall of Fame is that the night before you get to have an alumni game yep. between the Flyers and Bruins in the 50th anniversary year of the 1974 team, which you will honor that night. And yep. who did that? And obviously, who did they, they beat? beat in Bruins. the Stanley Cup final? Right. Yep. Now, what, what does Eric Lindros have to do with that? Well, he's already confirmed to be playing in the alumni game. Love he's that. already confirmed with Recky. And with Brett Fettick, okay. the the Crazy Eights line. For yep. those who don't know, they're all playing. Um, I I only can assume that at least two other members of the front office so- now, if you will. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Well, maybe three, actually, because I'd love to see that Danny Briere wants to still suit him up, actually. Oh, he
0: better get out there. Come on, Danny. Because
1: jo- Jonesy does not play in these games. Jonesy usually stands on a bench and does Boo. an interview and things like that. He- but he's never played in one. Even the Get 50th- in
0: there, Jonesy. Even
1: the 50th anniversary year, he did not play. You're, well, not actually,
0: a, the 50- you're not a broadcaster anymore. Get in there.
1: Well, I wonder if he would for that reason. Like, seriously. Because here's the other thing. He didn't, I- I'm thinking about it now, he didn't play in the 50th anniversary year because the team was on the road that day. Right. So when they had their big alumni game event, he wasn't even in Philly to be able to right. do it. So I wonder, but you got to figure Danny Briere's played them. So I can only assume he would think about suiting up, but you've also got he by better. the way in the box next to him, John LeClair and Patrick Sharp. Yep. So I wonder if they would suit up too.
0: And by the way if you're getting John Leclerc back and you're not calling Michael Renberg and Eric Lindros <laughs> well, you're Well the problem a is they're already
1: reuniting one of Lindros's lines so and That's right you double shift Eric's Eric in great himself. shape
0: Eric is in great shape. He can double shift.
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to try to pull up the release really quickly because I want to make sure I get everybody right that is confirmed so far. Because by the way, on the Boston side of things, if you, just if you're a hockey fan in general, by the way, this is a cool. This is already a really cool. I assume there's huge
0: you. names coming from Boston. Well,
1: we only know I think of one so far, so I'm not going to jump the gun like crazy. But Ray Bork is is supposedly playing. Oh, yes, we love that. So this is already uh, this is this could be some fun stuff. So here we go. Here's here's the release just so I can read all of this out for you because it is obviously that the weekend's activities are centering around cele- and by the way, they're celebrating both cup teams at once it sounds like cuz it says for both. Um and also a lead into the Hall of Fame game and with the induction of Recky, all that stuff. Um in in honor of that the the anniversary of the original Flyers Bruins matchup, all that. So it's Friday, yeah. Friday, J- January 26th at seven o'clock. i mentioned the reuniting of the crazy eights line. Okay. Um, there you go. Okay. So John. Okay. So here you go. John Leclerc and Patrick Sharp are suiting up confirmed already, by the way. Okay. Um, so is new flyers TV broadcaster, Brian Boucher. Okay. Uh, and so is to throw it back to 1974 for you. So is Joe Watson.
0: Love that. He is <laughs>
1: going to play.
0: In- so, so who does Paul, who's Paul coffee playing for?
1: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> he plays for um, both
0: teams towards the end of his career. What a Paul, come on. <laughs> um,
1: but anyway, uh, it does it all it says is there's gonna be Bruins greats, including two thousand four hockey Hall of Fame inductee Ray Bork. Ooh, which is which is real huge. just w- already is really awesome stuff. So like I wonder I wonder if enough time has passed then
0: that you can get Bergeron out.
1: That's what I was wondering, too, a little bit. I thought about that, too. Because if you, w- Bergeron if, play.
0: And if Bergeron's there, Chara will be there, too.
1: Uh, that'd be funny. If Chara was yeah. there, Bergeron's there. He, he'd go if Patrice the other... was there, guaranteed. That'd be pretty funny. Um, by the way, obviously, it does you know bring back some of the other names that everybody's familiar with from those teams. Clark, Barber. Perant, all those guys they are from what I understand they are not playing but there's a opportunity to get VIP tickets for like this party thing and I'm they sorry, will be there yeah. to mingle with fans. But, but remember that's this is what we talked about though this is what you want them to do Absolutely. This, is, this is come on out and mingle with the champ the champions of the sure. uh, 70s here and just and, don't and, don't call a scout <laughs> well in we, fair, we want in, you in,
0: here at these events we don't want you in draft meetings that, <laughs> that's
1: fine Well, in fairness, it's I look, I know it's not regular season and anything, but it seems like it's been kind of, I think we talked about this last week too, that that box is filled with a lot of new faces now. I mean, you got, you've got like the obvious, I mean, Jonesy and Briere are sitting right there and then you've got, yeah, you got Brent Flair and you've got all, and then, and LeClaire's there and Sharp's there and they're doing their jobs too and things like that. I mean, it. It's really – look, it's really interesting, and I, I, I also wonder, by the way, I don't – yeah, because the team obviously doesn't have a game until the 27th, so there's also another name, and we brought him up a week ago as well because he's, he's the new radio voice with Todd Fedorik suit up for the whole – yeah. I don't see why not. right. And Fridge seems like Fridge. Fridge has played in these, by the way, before. Absolutely, and, he's been around, and and he loves these games. And I'll tell you why he loves these games because this is where he gets to score.
0: Absolutely, like, he
1: fights in these games, so he goes out and scores a goal and is doing crazy celebrations. He, get, he has a ball with these.
0: Absolutely, but anyway, all right, let's so let's get, let's, let's get to, I was going to say let's get the season rolling or the season preview rolling here, and, sure, and so we'll so start we'll by, see by see finishing up on the preseason.
1: Yeah. So let's go backwards for a second because obviously the last handful of preseason games are kind of supposed to decide some of your roster battles here. Right. And and I did want to mention,
0: by the way, that, you know, your graphic here on the YouTube channel does say that the Flyers do win their last two preseason games. And those last couple of preseason games are also when you're getting pretty close to what you expect your early roster to look like.
1: Correct. Now
0: obviously you expect things to change and you like you said, you do you may still be given some guys minutes that you're, <laughs> you know, looking to get an eye on for in terms of battles
1: well so let's uh, let let me read off the two scores really quick because they beat the bruins on monday three to one and then they beat the islanders on thursday five to two yeah and those sound like great wins and, and all that type of stuff like that so i want to preface this whole thing by telling everybody that don't get too excited because the boston bruins and new york islanders did not exactly ice their starting nhl lineup that's fair I mean, I'm pretty sure that the best player that the Bruins sent that night was Jake Debrusque. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that the Islanders' best player that they sent was JG Pajot. That like, is fair. It wasn't a loaded line, but like, you were not getting the New York Islanders with Barzel and Horvat and Anders Lee and That's true. you know and That's Brock true. Nelson. Like you were not getting I mean, you got their defensive core for the most part. I mean, Dobson played and Mayfield played and um you know, a couple others did. I know Romanov played, and he's kind of on. He's like the lower pairing kind of guy, but he's NHL lineup material. Sure. Um, are they they the New York Islanders also have a Sebastian Aho who is NHL level material, and he played as well. <laughs> right. So so like uh, like that, that's. Four out of six defensemen that were legit, but then legit, it,
0: but then it was Varlamov instead of Sorokin. You know, for,
1: well, Varlamov even playing the whole game. Same thing with same thing with the Bruins. The Bruins played Jeremy Swayman the Swayman whole game on game, Monday, right. which is which is at least mildly substantial. At least it's
0: not that's fair. That's a real NHL goalie, right? You know, it's, a, like it's you, a real NHL goalie, and the fact. Well, that
1: and you... in fair and in fairness, nobody knows what the Bruins are going to do with that. With like who's in net for most of the no. season, like it's Swayman probably going to be, be a straight starter. up. Well, it's, it's probably going to be what it was a year ago—a straight-up tandem. Right. I mean, you got you got two guys who play really well, you know. Right. So it is what it and, is. And, and it's
0: still encouraging that you put five goals by Semyon Varlamov. Sure. Like, well, it, for a team that struggled to score goals last year, and Semyon Varlamov is a real NHL goalie. He's not a well, starter he, at this point. The other time, encouraging
1: but, you know. part. The other encouraging part, if you go back to the win against Boston the, the weekend prior, which we talked about, yeah. is who's scoring goals. Yes. Because the first goal of that weekend game in Boston on the road was Joel Farabee off a turnover. Yep. And then Joel Farabee had well, another then goal he
0: created a turnover. <laughs>
1: well, well, I hear you. And, th- but then Joel Farabee had another goal on a deflection against the Bruins at home. Yep. And that's, that's nice to see. Travis Konechny scored in that game. Cam Atkinson scored Cam Atkinson, by the way, who hasn't scored a goal in over a year in any yep. form of competitive game, gets on the board, you know, Oh, by the way, who are, who are picking up the assists on these goals? Atkinson's was assisted by Tippett and Frost. Frost had an assist on Konechny's goal too. Farabee's was a deflection on a Ronnie Adar shot. Now we'll get to him in a little bit. Yep. Um. And Sean Couturier had an assist, which was Couturier's first point of the first point preseason as well. As may as it
0: feels sure. like. Sure.
1: No. So then you jump to the Saturday or to the Thursday game against the Islanders, the last one, and okay, this one's a little interesting because the first goal of the game was scored or first Flyers goal of the game was scored by Nick Delorier. Now that doesn't happen that frequently, but fourth line working things well and we're going to get to the fourth line when we talk about the roster as a whole because that's a very big part of this picture. Oh, but, yeah. then, but then you get you get a Noah Cates, Travis Connectney rush that Cates creates by himself, by the way, because he blocks the shot, yeah. comes out of the zone, sees that he can't get it, Connectney's going to get there first and just goes straight to the net and, and deflects it in.
0: Noah Cates, by the way, by and large, has Basically picked up where he left off last season. He has looked great.
1: He is going to be a massive player to watch this year in terms of in terms I'm, of I'm considering picking him up in fantasy. Well, I wouldn't blame <laughs> you for it, to be honest. And he's he's the type of guy right now that you you want to look at now, and we talked about this kind of when he signed. Where's the offense go? Because he's played three games in a preseason, maybe four, and defensively looks fine in all of them. Now, I understand, again, this is, you know, he didn't play Boston with Patrice Bergeron anymore like he would have been doing last year, and he didn't play the Islanders with Corvette in the middle or something like that, you know what I mean? But still, he's playing well defensively. He seems like, to the point where they're, like, Tortorella even said, they're not even coaching him anymore on defense in terms of, like, where he needs to go and whatever. He just does what he has to do. They want him to push it offensively, though, and and that was a great start.
0: Yep. And the great news is w- with Sean Couturier looking like he's pretty ready to go here, pretty 100% heading into the season, I, Noah Cates doesn't have to get those tough matchups anymore. If they were playing, you know, if Patrice Bergeron hadn't retired, he wouldn't have to go against Noah Cates. He would be going against Sean Couturier. And, mm-hmm. and things are just going to be easier for Noah Cates mm-hmm. just, having, just by the virtue of having Sean Couturier above him on the death chart. It's... I expect great things out of him, or you know what I mean, or sharing minutes, sharing matchups. It's it's going to help a lot. Sure.
1: And so we get to, you know, so then you get beyond the first two goals that we just talked about and Tippett scores his first of the preseason, nice breakaway, really good passing play, by the way, because it went up the ice from really quick, by the way, like it was a bunch of short passes, Sanheim to Forrester to Frost. And then Frost had the lead pass through the Islanders defense to get to Tippett and Tippett didn't score on in the initial shot, stayed with it, got his own rebound, scored a goal there. Konechny scored on a five on three, which by the way, for about 30 seconds, looked like they didn't know what they were doing. And then all of a sudden the space, like, cause they were just perimeter passing the whole time. Space opened up in the middle. And all of a sudden you got Sean, well, no, you got Sean Couturier, who's giving you that pass from the corner to the slot and, and Connecty just ripped it right. you know, right. It all in one motion right into the net. And it's like, okay, that's what it is. And then, Atkinson scored again in the uh, third period of that game, his second goal of the preseason, yep. and Morgan I like, Frost... I like
0: seeing him find the net twice this week. Just, it's and a good sign heading into the regular season.
1: Let's put it this way. The end of the preseason for Morgan Frost, by the way, who had two assists in each of the last two games, Warm again, it I, know it's heavy. Not, I know it's not the full lineups, but still, he's get, it, for a team that lacks playmakers, according to John Tortorella... Well,
0: for a team that struggled to score last year, like I was right, saying sure. earlier... But
1: for a team that lacks playmakers that's a potential playmaker if he's if he's not scoring any goals right now but like four assists like hello you know
0: i can already tell you that this flyers team is going to frustrate me this season by winning several games that they shouldn't win and i can I'm go ar- i can already tell you i'm not i'm not saying anything crazy of course cuz i they are still going to be a bad team don't get it wrong but they're going to win more games than they should they're going to they're going to have nights where they pop off for four five six goals and It's going to be fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. And as as we head through a couple of dark years here, it will be nice to have these fun moments.
1: The thing that you have to take with you for right now is really paying attention to who's scoring goals and what's, you know, kind of what, where this goes, because you don't want to see, you know, look, even if it makes it a little bit better. You don't necessarily care that much if Nick Delorier scores a goal or not because it, it doesn't equate to long term future. You kind of wanna see Cam Atkinson scoring some goals because you need him to show that he's back to a level that makes him marketable again in terms of, to the league. Not to your own team like right now you can't do any like if you wanted him traded in the offseason for for example because you're like oh you're rebuilding what does what can he do well no one's taking a guy who just missed an entire year he's got to prove he can play so you right. want him to do well so that somebody sits there and goes oh hey you got a guy who used to, who previously had scored 40 goals in this league who maybe has a really successful season bouncing back from an, a year long injury and then goes oh by the way his contracts one more year and under six million dollars I'll take it yeah, And I'll give you back a prospect or a, or a second round pick or something. You know what I mean? Like again, asset management, there is value to, to be had there. there. Yep. But that's not going to happen overnight. Like you got to play out the season and Cam Atkinson has to play. Whether yeah. you think that that means he's blocking somebody or not, he has to play.
0: Right. Well, and, and another group of people that you could make that argument for in terms of blocking uh, is what we assume is going to be the fourth line uh nick yeah, kind of. let's 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 go into them because i
1: think yeah, so that's let's a just start analyzing the ta- roster yeah, we're into this
0: absolutely i think that i think the fourth line or what appears to be the fourth line is going to be a fun little group to talk about so as it currently sits it's hathaway delorier and um oh god i just blanked out paling yes uh hathaway delorier and paling and that looks like it's probably going to be your fourth line paling brings a little speed Hathaway is kind of your middleman, and then obviously Nick Delorier is your big lumbering goon. And I say that with respect. Yeah, you're, uh, please you're also please by, don't by the beat way, me up.
1: By the way, <laughs> no, by the way, you're saying that by size, not like. Of course. Because like, uh, like, no, right. by natural position, Paling's the center and the other uh, two guys are wingers. But Paling, uh, yes, is kind of your I just mean guy. in terms of
0: builds, right? Paling's your speedy but little Payling, center.
1: But Paling's got s- some size. I mean, he's not the uh, small, sure. Like he's not the smallest guy out of the, th- out of the team, obviously. It, this is
0: going to be a mean line to play against. And Paling well, um, holds his own for sure. But Hathaway is nasty and Delorier sure. murders people.
1: It's... It's why, to this point, it's the only line that Tortorella has pretty much connected. That's a line. And and it's why – that's the only certainty that we really have to go on is that these three are together and it's not being broken up before the season opener. Simple as that. And, kind and that, of too- that's, that's got the potential to piss some people off. By the way,
0: I was about to say to your point about the fans, if you think they're blocking people, yeah, you're right. They are because you, you didn't For have right to now. sign, right. You didn't have to sign Hathaway. You didn't have to sign Paling. Like those are guys that are taking roster spots that you didn't have
1: to. No, now hold on a second though. Cause I do want to okay. kind of inter- interject with one here because I think that Paling is going to be a fascinating player to watch this year. And the reason being is because just a friendly reminder to people who want the team to, play younger, play kids, that kind of thing. Ryan Paling was drafted two spots higher than Morgan Frost was. So if you are playing the season out and going, well, let's see what Morgan Frost does as the follow-up act to the second half of the season and you want to give the guy a chance, right? And it like because look at this Ryan, Ryan Paling is 24 years old. Right. So the my point is if you were on the train of well, you keep, don't trade Morgan Frost because that's giving up on a guy at twenty-four. Then you're okay with the paling signing and a guy taking a chance on himself for one year at under one point five million dollars. He's one point four, right? Um, so he's cheap and he's taking a chance on himself, and he's twenty-four and he's literally just willing to slot into your fourth line center role and not really just to, just like, to get some like, ice like actually just to get at that job. point. At that point, he's not blocking the kids because he's practically a kid he's himself. I mean, exactly, like, exactly. And, like, and I don't want to take away from the fact that, like, yes. A guy who has been around in the picture for an organization since 2017 is not necessarily a kid anymore. In right. that sense, if, like, like if yeah, you, it's been six years since your draft year, you're not necessarily a kid anymore. But if, I just want to say that, like, because he's on, like, being under 26, 27, though, still puts you on the potential to be on the right side of a rebuild. Absolutely.
0: That's I, and, if you told me that the Flyers signed an undrafted player to the Ryan Ryan Poehling contract and we were having the same discussion, it might be a little different. Ryan Paling was drafted in the first round. Right. He's a good hockey player. He I can know he is. Right. I know he has failed to live up to expectations a little bit, but he has had a bit of a tough. <laughs> he's had some tough paths in front of him. Uh, but as we sit here again, he's twenty four years old. How? Yeah. How often do we hear about college players who don't come out till they're twenty-two and then yeah. spend two years in the AHL and don't make the NHL till they're twenty-four anyway? Like right. if like Ryan Paling is that is all that, plus he's got NHL experience.
1: Sure. And like that's the thing. Like he's you don't typically expect guys who are gonna play and listen, they got bigger minutes in the preseason because sometimes your typical fourth line was your second line on some nights. Right. Like like in the road games, for example. But he had a lot of shifts where he's very noticeable. And sometimes that's in his speed. Sometimes that's in – he's got the ability to set some guys up. Like Sure.
0: and It's, on it's that, just all
1: together. And by the on, way, penalty killing too. He's a good penalty oh yeah. killer.
0: And on that line, on that fourth line, he should be the one carrying the puck. I don't want Nick Delurier skating up the ice with the puck. Gordon Hathaway is fine, but I, I I prefer the puck in the hands of Brian Paling. No, what the most he
1: typically what he typically is supposed to do is he's supposed to be the mover, and then if you're gonna play the dump and chase game, then Hathaway and Deloria are your guys who kind of get in on the forecheck with the, the bigger bodies. Right. Because Hathaway just goes I mean, let's put it this way, if you saw the goal that Delore scored, Hathaway was bumping into everybody to try to get positioning anyway, or to get the puck and get puck control. So he basically went rough and tumble to get a primary assist on that. Right. Like that's how it's got to be sometimes. And you know, that like that's, that's the fourth and that's the fourth line for right now. And I look, that may change in that may change in five games. It's, it's distinctly possible, but for right now, because every single preseason game they had, and they made a lot of stuff happen within those games, they're going to get a chance to play together because right now their styles fit together.
0: Yeah, and they and they've He's earned it. In. They've been they've looked good. They've worked hard. They've sure. done the right things. Like, like John Tortorella said, that's a line. Um,
1: sure, it, it and is, that, it sure and is. that
0: that is the only line we really know for sure. Uh, I think right, we have, and you I, can
1: deduct the rest. I mean, right now there's 13 forwards on the roster. So I was gonna say I think we want to do have, this.
0: Yeah, I think we have a pretty good idea of what the top six is in some configuration. The names well, there probably include. Couturier. Atkinson. I'm gonna go
1: through and I'm gonna go through and find what the actual combinations were okay. at Saturday's practice because that's the last time the team practiced. They had okay. an off day Sunday, so I'm going to go and find the exact line combinations for you. Okay. And just I'm just going through, like trying to find them among the yeah. beats, just trying so we, to see and, what was and, going on.
0: And we have the names you're thinking of up in the top six, right? We have Couturier, Atkinson, Connectney, Faraby.
1: Pretty close. I mean, here's here's pretty much the way it is. So I'll read off the the three lines to you that kind of go along with this. So I'll start by reading the two lines that are completely solid, and then I'll read the line that has the flexibility the portion of it to it. Right. Well, it, it was the one that was rotating. I'll call it that. Yeah. Because that's, that's the biggest way to do it. So you had Lawton, Cates, Konechny on a line. Yep. You had Tippet, Frost, Atkinson on a line. Okay. And then you had Couturier, Brink, and Faraby, and Forrester were rotating. Okay. That was the lines combinations for the forwards to start with. Obviously, the big question here involves two names that I mentioned in the last grouping of four, if you will. And it's not Faraby and Couturier, obviously. (laughs) Right. You've heard those names before.
0: Right. It seems as though the battle for that last forward spot has kind of come down at this point in time. Obviously, we say that recording on Sunday night. Uh, it sounds like they're going to make their decision Monday, so we're just going to be wrong at this point. We're going to be outdated. You'll know more than we do. <laughs> well, the time No, here's, this. here's
1: the best way to look at it. They don't have to cut a forward if they don't want to right now. Right. They don't that's have fair. to. You're at 13, and that's a, that's a perfectly legitimate number, especially going on the road, a perfectly legitimate number to start the season with. That's fair. The uh, question is, and Tortorella kind of addressed this, is how do they use Forrester and Brink because there's a reason to sit there and say they both should play, which is right. naturally the answer you want to hear in a rebuild. And that looks but, like the but battle. You, but you also have to kind of battle with the fact that Tortorella likes to put together a competitive team, regardless of whether you're rebuilding or not. He wants a competitive team. And if he gets a line together like that fourth line, then he's going to play them. Oh, so, yeah. so what? basically you're asking something's got to give, right? Now, I don't know if that's somebody else. The problem, the problem you have there is you've got two guys in Katuria and Atkinson that you can't afford to pull because you just want them playing again because you you've waited for too long and you got to get them right. moving. You're not pulling a Tippett or a Konechny or a Kate because let let's just let's just call the shots like it is. He loves those guys,
0: right? Like, if you're looking loves, for a competitive like, roster, that's what you're looking for,
1: right? And I'll I'll double down on this one even too because. He's not going to pull Frost from the lineup because even though he challenges Frost immensely here, he always seems to, like, want him sure. to go a step further before he gets the praise, kind of. He's a center, and you're, and you're talking about two wingers here. So, really, the position it's got to give is a winger. Yep. Now, out of all say, of that— He's not
0: pulling Scott Lawton.
1: <laughs> well, and that's the, that's the thing, right? right? Like, out of that, the only two names I didn't mention that I just went through the whole group was Farabee and Lawton. Yep. None of them are coming out either. So somebody's going to have to sit, Something's and it's probably going to be a kid. And he talked about sitting, like kind of rotating them in for a, a little bit. And this is the important thing to remember because I know that on the opening night, if Brink does not play or Forrester does gonna not play, people are going to be mad. people are going to go insane. Right. And I understand the reasoning behind it because yes, after all of this time and after all of the frustration of not saying rebuild, you're now in a committed rebuild, and you kind of you want to see the action that follows the word, which is playing younger like yes at that point your forward group consists of you know okay take farabee frost and kate's kind of out of the picture from this because they yes they still fall into the category of young and sure. not not a ton of experience they're not but you're prospects at this point <laughs> they're not prospects but they're not old right? right like they're young enough right and Tippett qualifies too because Tippett's not really a prospect anymore so okay keep Tippett sure. in that category too but then you're going to sit there and go but you're playing couturier atkinson Connectney and lawton in addition to the fourth line, which, again, and of which you have two guys who fall into the category with the Couturiers and the Atkinsons, and one guy who falls into the category with Frost, Farabee, and Tippett. Right. And Cates, you know, like.
0: And and at a certain point, there's only so many roster spots, and the math ain't math. Well, sure.
1: And the thing is, too, like, okay, so, so far, I think they've pushed a lot of the right buttons to this point in terms of they sent down the forwards that did not do enough in the preseason. Simple as that. And I'm going to get to two. Well, I'm oh, okay. going to get to him in a second because, yes, I know that's really the big yep. one because he was the last forward that really went. But, like, here's an example. And this, this doesn't involve, this is one that doesn't involve wins, okay. by the way. Yeah, so, yeah. like, coming into training camp, there was a lot of talk about Elliott He got a brief NHL stint last year. Talk was he was going to be a big player in camp. So was all Elixir. Like, are they going to be emerging as guys who make the roster? And they were cut before the last preseason game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They were, you know, and, and here's
1: the thing. It was completely justified because they did play. They didn't do enough to stand out. They were kind of invisible. Like the reason why Brink is still here is because he had games where he was noticeable. Even, even the Islander game where he didn't put up any points, unlike what he did against Boston twice, he played to a level where he's creating and he was doing things that made himself noticeable. And you felt like you had no choice. Forrester didn't even have a point in the preseason. Right. Well, no, I shouldn't say point, because he did. He had an assist on the one typical I just mentioned. But he didn't have a goal. And you're like, so, that, you know, isn't that kind of a prerequisite for making a team out of the preseason? It kind of is, but in John Tortorella's eyes, it's stop talking about points. Right. It's, did he do some stuff to help us and create and, and make, you know, his play away from the puck and all that stuff? So those are the conversations that come into play with that. And obviously— you know, Forrester kind of did exactly what I said he was going to need to do to make the team, which is basically don't fall flat on your face kid, and right. you you should be there. but it's also really hard like like seriously if if let's just say hypothetically that they with this last because the roster, by the way, I guess we should also say the roster's at twenty four technically at the moment, so yeah. one more player has to go down or get cut or something, yep. right If they were to just do that to brink, it would be a case where Bobby Brink did everything he could possibly do to make the roster out of the preseason and training camp and still not get the reward at the end because there was just so many spot, like so many players, not enough spots. Right. Simple as that. And, it, and it's, it, and it's really, you know, it's, it's kind of, it would be unfortunate to, sucks say. to say that, you know, yeah. for somebody like him, because he's worked really hard. He didn't get to play like his usual season last year. He battled through injury to come back and then had half of a year and wow. wasn't, and never was able to kind of come back. Like, remember he got a sampling of the NHL when he signed, and then yeah. he had to go through an injury recovery, and didn't crack the NHL lineup at all the next year because you're you're in the middle of all of that, right? So, right.
0: and the good news is if uh, Forster or Brink is the one who gets cut here, and it, you know if it ends up being Brink, the good news is the Flyers are in a situation, and you and I briefly mentioned this before the show, was that the Flyers are in a situation where every. Uh, injury, every uh, trade, right? Because sure. this is a team that ex- expects to lose some assets, right? We talked about Ryan Paling. There's there's other names that we've bandied about as potential trade targets mm-hmm. here. Um, every time a roster spot becomes available, yes, someone fun and exciting is going to come up to fill it. Almost, it's no, it's, almost
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: Right. It's no longer the Flyers of six or seven years ago where you're like, oh, God, are we calling up Andrew McDonald or – right now we're talking about
1: uh, we're talking about
0: fun exciting names
1: the the roller coaster ride that was known as justin bailey's trip on the pa turnpike
0: i enjoyed justin bailey while he was here (laughs) but they did him so dirty on that i know oh my goodness
1: well that's because that's not even frequent flyer miles that's right that's tolls up the turnpike
0: yeah and the worst part is they weren't just paper transactions like where they told him hey so no, he you'll be go. back tomorrow like he went anyway yeah, and
1: would play for the <sighs> weekend and then come back it's yeah. pretty sad i know um fortunate he
0: was playing a lot of hockey but though. you're right
1: and, and and here's the thing you're because not only are you right about that but you're right about the fact that let's think like, if it is brink if it's you know, with if it's Lixell, then they they all just kind of come and go as they are needed because there's no waivers involved with that. Right. But there are other guys who need to go through waivers. And obviously, the, I think the headliner of that group is the one that was on waivers this weekend. Right. So that and was that would he, be, I believe that was Friday. So it was after the preseason finale. And that and would, would be for,
0: everyone's top five. He's in the top three favorite gingers on the team. It's, it's a tough list. But uh, Wade Allison definitely makes the
1: cut. top three out of how many? I mean, they're I not—they're mean, not, they're not as ginger-heavy as they used to be.
0: Sean Couturier.
1: All right, Couturier's uh, one. Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett's two. Uh, Cam York's a little gingy. Isn't oh, no, he? no, 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 no—he's be- very much. Done. Okay,
0: okay. So, so well, there's that's multiple.
1: That's, yeah, but that's—I think that's the only. And other Wade three. Allison. Well, yeah, but that—I think that's so, the only other three. Okay,
0: and Wade Allison makes the top three. Okay. Out, of, three. out of the four.
1: <laughs> sure. All right then. But Wade Allison was on waivers, which is a big deal because obviously it means he didn't make it you know it just means he didn't make it and 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 to be fair i i know tortorella kind of like i don't know if you saw the press conference from saturday where you know tortorella was kind of very short with first of all obviously it's a complete waste of time to ask him what kind of conversation was had because he's not telling you what he said to any player um but when he was asked about kind of the reason why wade allison was put on waivers he gave a very short But very succinct, succinct answer, which was players played better. Kids. Yep. Fair enough. I'm I'm pretty sure that basically what that qualifies as is translate it better. You know, you can translate it even further than just kids played better. Just translate it to Forster and Brink were better than Allison in the preseason. Yep. And that's why he's not there.
0: Absolutely. And... The good news is we're seeing these cuts made for the right decisions, right? It certainly seems as th- right. at this point as though there isn't some owner telling you who's got to be here, there, blah, blah, blah. It seems like the hockey decisions are being made for hockey reasons. And uh, there is one one other battle that we should probably talk about. And we've talked about it before, but it is the goaltending
1: well we do, we do want to get to them we want to get to defense too cuz that that's not clear either obviously the goaltending one is kind of interesting only because of the fact that it's it's not a battle realistically because it was actually one of the few decisions that was actually made known pretty early in this process like i'm talking like oh, oh, almost almost right after we had our last show it was made official i mean i think it was made official going into the monday game against boston okay if i'm not mistaken because Tortorella flat-out said it. Sam Harrison's got the backup job. He yep. flat-out said it. And while I, you know, certainly I understand by based on performance, based on merit, I understand that that decision. It does leave you with a bit of a situation because you now, now have you to have... to
0: carry three goalies or wave Felix Anstrom and take a risk.
1: Right. And, well, here's the thing. For the opening night roster, strictly the opening night one, or not opening night, but for the submission of the finalized opening night rosters, Which for the which, by the way, like it happens on the Monday, like it's happening on Monday that you finalize your your opening night roster, and I'm making air quotes to say that because of the fact that for the teams that play on Tuesday, that's probably very much your roster going into the first game. For the teams that play on Thursday, like the Flyers do,
0: you still have three whole league days to correct make moves.
1: So here's the kind of like thing with this because Felix Sandstrom was not placed on waivers today, Sunday, as we're like. The hours before we're recording this, right. because he was not placed on waivers, he will not be on like he's he doesn't get the chance to clear and go to the minors or anything like that. So he is not going to be the final cut. Right. Leading into Monday, he it will not it be the will final. Will be cut.
0: somebody who can get sent down without having to go through waivers.
1: Exactly. So we already mentioned two forward candidates, and then and then from there, by the way. So because I, I don't want to mention all the candidates of that without being able to go right into it, so let's kind of put the bow on the goaltending and then go into that which is from there, from Monday when the roster is actually submitted, then you have to make the decision in the coming days about whether you do eventually decide to waive him or do you decide to just carry three for a, a period of time. I understand why the Flyers are being careful about this because you're in a situation where very specifically one team in particular, but teams in general, look for cheap goaltending that hits the waiver wire. Yep. And the certainly today, the last day before the rosters get submitted, and this is the last waiver day possible. This is usually the time when teams make that final cut and say, Well, listen, I guess this is where we are with our goaltending situation. Because yep. these two guys make it. This third guy, I'd love to stash in minors, but I don't know if he's gonna clear. We have to try it because we don't have room for him on the roster. He would just be sitting around taking up space, you know, like whatever. That is what Felix Sandstrom's kind of situation is now. So I've got to imagine at some point soon, they're there is going to be a waiver. Well, they're going to probably – sure, because after you get into a certain point, then it's about cap compliance, and it's about – it's also about team need too because teams well, that don't necessarily need it won't do it. Right I now, you you got a team, got a team I, that's sitting there, a very prominent team who's had playoff success in the past and a prominent goaltender for that team. In Andre Vasilevsky. Right, for maybe Bay. the last
0: goalie and the best goalie in the world over the last five right, or 10 number, years.
1: Like truth be told the, you know, you don't find many goalies that are like Vasilevsky anymore in the league. It's very, you know, it's I more wonder, of a tandem type of position. And because of that, you have to be careful. If you're going to put a guy on waivers who makes who like Sandra makes less than a million dollars for a team that needs a goalie, they're well, going to come wonder, after.
0: I wonder if you put him on waivers tomorrow. Because the Lightning will theoretically have their roster finalized uh, and they play Tuesday night. So if you put Sandstrom on waivers Monday, it'll be tough for them to claim him Tuesday. They play Tuesday night. Their roster's not. It puts them in a really sticky situation. Um, I, I wonder if tomorrow is the day that they try to slip. And by tomorrow, I mean Monday at time of recording here. Uh, is the time that they try to slip Felix extension through waivers. Um, Again, obviously, that's something the audience will know before we do.
1: (laughs) I'm thinking – the thing I'm thinking is maybe not Monday but Tuesday, and the reason being is because you're going to have to make that decision before knowing the situation with the Lightning completely or any other team for that matter. Like Here's a prime example for you. In the Sunday waiver wire, Martin Jones is on waivers from Tampa – or from Toronto. That is significant because now he becomes available as one of those options for Tampa Bay. Yep. Or any other team for that matter. If somebody bites, especially Tampa, well, then now they've filled their roster. So you, but you won't know that until 2 p.m. until 2 o'clock, right? Right. On Monday, which is also when you would have to submit. So uh, right. you could basically get another day, see who tried to do that one day approach potentially. And you could still do this on Tuesday and have it cleared by Wednesday, call up your other, you know, oh, they sent, Bobby Brink, move. They sent right. Bobby Brink down to the minors on paper for a day and a half and called him back up as soon as they figured out what was happening with Sandstrom. Dunn- and Neal, I, I think that might thorn. be the plan. Right. Now, now by the way, Forrester and Brink are two options for that. I, I feel like we should get to the third yeah, option, which course. is on yeah. defense, because here's the thing. If they were just dressing seven or icing seven defensemen or having seven defensemen on the roster, you have your seven pretty easily. Yep. Travis Sanheim, Rasmus Ristolainen, Cam York, Nick Seeler, Mark Stahl, Sean Walker, Igor Zamula. And Zamula really kind of, in a way, is the headliner of that group because right. he is the young guy. I mean, York is still in that category too, obviously, but, but Zamula is really still mark. the pro- – And Zamula is right. still kind of a prospect in that sense because yes. he hasn't cra- he hasn't cracked that level yet the same way. We kind of know
0: what Cam York is at this point in time.
1: We know a lot more about Cam York, but – but the interesting guy is the eighth guy who's still here, because Emil Andre has made it this far, and I don't yep. know if again because because here's the easy th- not the easy thing but Forrester and Brink could very well both both play in the first game, or one of them plays and the other doesn't, or something of the sort. It could be any combination of this. There's a com there there is you know and 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 there's a way to look at that those two and say. Okay, maybe Forrester gets game one and Brink gets game two and that's how they're gonna do this for the early portion of this until they see something else shake out, right? At least you would know where those two guys stand. and by the way, you're keeping one of the forwards around to be your extra guy. Well you don't necessarily need to do that with the defense if you are if you have eight like the eighth guy doesn't necessarily mean it's the guy who falls you know who that he leapfrogs the guy in seventh when somebody goes down or something happens you know. So Andre would possibly have some legwork to do if he wanted to get into the lineup. And if that's the case, then just send him down. Right. You know. Right, exactly.
0: And we've talked about the fact that it may just be better for him to be playing 18 or 19 minutes a night, 22, 23 minutes a night in the AHL, as opposed to 11 or 12 at the NHL level. So there's kind of pros and cons to both sides of that for him as well. There are.
1: Now, here's the good news. And obviously... Take it from somebody who sees the way that John Tortorella talks about certain people, you know, and, like, in terms of he's got his players he likes and he's got his players that he's not as big of a fan of. And, you know, we mentioned how Wade Allison kind of is like that. Morgan Frost is a little bit like that in in the the not-the-biggest-fan-of category. Right. Um, And then you've got a guy like, you know, you got the guys who are like Noah Cates, like, he's talked about Tyson Forrester like that a little bit. He's talked about Brink a little bit like that. He's and he, like, he's got his other guys too, like Couturier, Atkinson, t- you know, Tippett, Hathaway, Paling. He's talked about Deloria. He talks about like, that. like he's got his group of guys he likes. And then there's a yeah. handful of guys that's like, well, you, no matter what you do, I'm not really giving you the praise. Right. Fair enough. He talks about Andre like that, but he talks about stall like that. And he talks about sealer like that. And he talks about Walker like that. And there's only and so many like, spots. Yeah. Right, and like at the end of the day, you're gonna, you you can fill potentially fill four of these spots relatively easily with the line and York and Zamula. If if Zamula is gonna be, and by the way, Zamula is is not waiver exempt, So right. He would have to pass through waivers. He way, would which also think, have to clear. Right. But I think, but I think he's done kind of a little bit of enough to make it because in the sense that he's bigger, he seems like he's a lot more physical and. I think it's just worth the shot. If he's got to play on a roster or go through waivers, I think you've got to give him the shot. You've got to give him the fair chance to to see that he can play at this level, especially with the size he's put on. I think he put on like 20 pounds or something like that. So he's had a really
0: big offseason. Yeah, he's a big dude.
1: If you're going to talk about Andre like that, though, too, then you should find a way to play him. Right. He look, Andre's a tough one for me because I liked what I saw. He made a play, a couple of plays on the sea, and he didn't get a point for it, but he made a couple of plays on the sequence that led to uh, Delorier's goal against the Islanders. And you can see how, like, it's like you can see the wheels in motion in his head as he's making things happen on the ice. Like, he'll make it, he'll get it. He'll st- almost be able to freeze for a second and make that decision and then execute it. So he's got great poise offensively. Yeah. You can see it right away. Yeah. He, absolutely. he does he look. Does he need some work defensively? Does are there some things that need to be worked out? Sure, there are, but he's exactly the type of player that people would watch learn on the fly and be fine with.
0: Absolutely. It's like, a great player for a rebuild. Yep.
1: The problem is you've got three other guys that you could essentially. I know the people look, I know people want to play the kids, play the kids. Stallwalker and, and Sealer. All are on one-year contracts. Exactly, and they all have something that they could offer if somebody else wants them later on down the line. So, yeah. what's the better decision? Like, here's here's the and this is the answer to the question, kind of at least to me. If you're going to put Andre on the roster and therefore give yourself eight defensemen, what you're try what you're really saying is that York, Zamula, and Andre are going to play every night. So are Sanheim and Ristolainen because they're the two best guys. Beyond that. And, and then you have a spot and then you have one spot left with three veterans and you're going to have to pick one. And if you're not and, and and the truth of the matter is, if you're not capable of doing that, then send the kid down. Yes. Like Absolutely. I, I, I think he's done like I think he's and done close to enough to make it on the team. I'm not like I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's completely NHL ready, and but he's I, done close enough. And we do want
0: to put the caveat and we do want to put the caveat that the occasional night-off type of thing is something that we are okay with. I know we've talked about it on the show before. He doesn't have to play literally 82 games if he's up. But as long as he's playing 70-plus, 70 75-plus, most of the games, well, then you keep him in he, the roster, absolutely. What
1: you want to see is that he shows that he's worth keeping in the lineup to begin with. Like,
0: Well, and if he doesn't, he won't play, and they'll send him down, absolutely. Sure,
1: and I... And, but that's why I'm saying, like, and, and Tortorella talked about this, too, because it, it is the constant battle. You're going to have to, like, seriously, if you're not sitting there, and tr- I mean this truthfully, if you're not sitting there every week, like Tortorella said, weekly, calling about the Phantoms players, calling about who's down there and going, what are they doing compared to what these guys up here are doing? Is somebody ready for the opportunity? Because they should want to give it. And obviously, the same thing goes with, and, and I mean, look, this even goes for York and Zamula in the case of, in the case of Andre. Anybody who gets hurt. It doesn't matter who you are. Anybody who ends up being out with injury, that's the next guy up. Yep. I mean at, at this point, there's no debate about it. They sent down Adder and Jinning. Like the and Jinning are probably the next two guys in line after Andre. And it's like he, but Andre's clearly here for a reason.
0: Absolutely. He has earned he has earned the spot this is deep into
1: camp. Absolutely. Sure and they played him a lot and he got an unexpectedly he got one more preseason game and and then made plays in the preseason game like right like it's not like he's out of place there and he makes mistakes too but Tortorella kind of likes the aggressiveness he likes the guy who's willing to go out there and try to make the play
0: absolutely if he and tries to
1: make the play and then makes a mistake in the process and then bounces right back from it and make you know by trying to make another the play next, and make, the
0: next time he does it he does it right right
1: right then you're happy about that that's development that's straight development right there. So those things all matter, and you're hoping that look, like I look, I'd love to see a lineup that starts the year with with Forrester, with Brink, Frost, Kate's Tippett, Farabee. There's six guys right there. You know, you could, like I said, you can kind of lump Paling into it. You can lump Connect Me into it a little bit. You know, like those guys still are age appropriate for this. Then you have defensively, you have York. Zamula, Andre all playing half of your decor in the game is literally prospect worthy material or young guys or however you want to look at it but I can understand how the idea that there's no room for Wade Allison on this team because Nick Deloria and Garnet Hathaway I understand how that rubs people the wrong way I do look I think people are going to look at Garnet Hathaway later on and see that Garnet Hathaway is not cut from the, like, is. I is, think people are going to like Garnet Hathaway. Because Garnet Hathaway and, – and Palin kind of falls into this a little bit too. They're not cut from – like they're cut from the fourth-line cloth that is today's game. Not You know, the old,
0: you know who they remind me of? have an old school of, edge, but You yes. know who they remind me of a little bit? Who's that? It is Scott Lawton. Like the well, way yeah, he kind of has reason. that little bit of edge on his game –
1: well, you know, what's funny is that the, like to go along with it is that what most people want to see is that it, if you had to pull a guy from the fourth line in general, it's probably Deloria because you do see the energy that Hathaway and Paling bring. Not, not that Delorie doesn't bring his own energy, but like you look, Paling's not Paling and Hathaway are not liabilities no. on an offensive side of a game. Like, like, let's be real. Those two guys, even Deloria a little bit when he's playing with better players. It it, at least it's not the same thing as when you were sitting there watching like think about the guys who played on fourth line over the years that that we've watched
0: (laughs) yep i was here for the chris van de velde era
1: well bingo i'm saying like you got a guy like somebody like that yeah with all due respect zach McEwen, who didn't score more than two goals in a year usually like it's a big deal when he does score goals like you know what i'm saying like you can look at the end of the year and you can say there's a chance that if Palin gets the ice time that we think he's going to get to an extent, that Palin could have 10 goals at the end of the year, or Hathaway could have eight to 10 or whatever you know what I mean? Like it's just it is a possibility, and there are a lot of people that would say that, listen, you bump Lawton down to that line so you fit the other kid. Right. And, and maybe you I don't have hate a, that idea. Well, sure, and maybe that's and maybe that is something later on for if the line isn't playing uh, well.
0: I was going to say, and we all know that the the starting twelve is not going to be the twelve the entire season. Yeah, you know Things how we are. Or it has around.
1: nothing to do with performance either. It just the inevitable is, is that injuries are going to happen.
0: Right, injuries, maybe a suspension or two, a trade here and there. Like it's going to
1: happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about the trade portion until way later in the that's year, fair. obviously, that's but fair. but like seriously, one of the big question marks coming in, and and it's not a knock on what the two players have done or what they've accomplished so far and what they hope to accomplish, but you've got to ask questions about Couturier and Atkinson and their durability, because yeah. to this point they haven't played Stay a healthy. full game. Well, they have, no, they haven't played a full game. Like yes, they played full games in the preseason, but I'm saying they haven't played a full game against the full, full lineup, of game, going full gas, going at full, full speed. Right. right. Like, there's always a little bit of like a little bit of the edges off in the preseason. And I get like, I get the sense that if you haven't been on the ice in general, like Couturier and Atkinson were that sure. You just want to be hit by anybody. You don't even care if it's the ECHL guy who's on a tryout, right? right? Like you just want to be hit by you anybody. You don't
0: care if it's Hayden Hodgson. And...
1: Cause you, <sighs> well, cause you just want to feel something and know that it doesn't, Right. hurt you too much and that is one thing that Couturier said by the way like Couturier's taken some contact and he's been in situations and he comes away and he goes you know what he knows like, how important that uh, is like, well, but he, he comes away and he goes you know what Like, no didn't score in the preseason you know even the offensive production was a little hard to come by in the early going before he had a couple of assists on the board but physically he feels good and he's going into a season where we don't have to question that you know and we don't him. have a question going in we don't have any questions about whether he can play Right. You know, and and look, the it couldn't be said that way at the beginning. You know, no. we had to go and you had to go in and find out what the deal was. I, with
0: I feel way better about Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson than I did two weeks ago. Way and you a little better. bit, way better.
1: yeah, and you should. Yep. but everybody else has their is going to have their role, and you're trying to make sure that you give everybody the opportunity to play the minutes that they deserve and and that help their development. I don't have a problem with the way that they necessarily constructed the roster. I do you hope that, I mean, I hope that they get the chance to play Forrester and Brink with some regularity, and if they don't, that they recognize early enough that there's not really a spot for the guy, and they just get him down to the minors. If that's the if, case,
0: but. if if I told you four weeks ago that Brink, Forrester, and Andre would all still be with this roster today, would you have believed me? Um, all three of them,
1: probably not Brink. And that's not a knock but, on Brink. It was just I wasn't sure what to expect with him. Forrester, I felt like needed to fall flat on his face. Andre, Andre, yeah. I kind of knew was going to be an intriguing one because he was coming but, from a league that you knew gave him a good skill set. That's fair. But OK, it was just going to be how it translated. So I'm surprised he played as much as he did. He's, he's still a question mark. though.
0: That's fair. But uh, OK, speaking of leagues with uh, superior skill sets, let's talk about the NHL as a whole. Sure. Uh, we got a little bit of a season preview here. We're going to hit, I, I think we go division by division. Uh, okay. pick, your, pick your playoff teams, and then we'll pick a cup winner. And then, okay. we'll, get a, and then we'll get out of here. Sure. Uh, let's start out west in the Pacific Division. So, okay. la- Last year, your playoff teams were Vegas, Edmonton, the Los Angeles Kings, and the Seattle Kraken um beyond that in the division obviously we have Calgary looking for a bit of a rebound season same with Vancouver and then down at the bottom San Jose and Anaheim probably gonna be down at the bottom again mm-hmm. uh who, who do you think make, is making the playoffs out there
1: I'm gonna spare
0: some of the drama here
1: I think okay. it's the same
0: four teams. You think it's the same for you? You Don't think Calgary comes back. You don't think Vancouver makes a run. I
1: think I don't think Vancouver makes a run. I think Calgary closes. It was a seven-point gap between Seattle and Calgary. I think that that's a much closer gap this year. Okay, but I still think Seattle is gonna see because Seattle just plays a tough game. Like, like I like I don't think that like I don't feel like Seattle like you know how from year two like year one to year two we looked at Seattle and we were like this team's gotten significantly better from year one to year two with what they added. Okay. I don't, yeah, th- I don't have the same feeling of two to three and that's not a negative. It's just, it's hard to go from where they were the first year to <laughs> it's hard like, to take
0: steps that large every year,
1: every year. But I don't think like, I don't think they got worse. And I think that their style helps them. Okay, Calgary's got a lot of question marks. I mean, Calgary need like, think about all the positions where Calgary needs a bounce back. You need a bounce back from, the guys that they got from Florida. You need a bounce yep. back from, like, Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie or yep. You, need a, you need a bounce back, back from you, your goals. You and... need a major bounce back from Jacob Markstrom. Yep. Major. But- major.
0: Major, major, major.
1: You know, as as much as by the way, as much as I love the video of uh, his mask being designed, which by the way also goes in the same vein as Carter Hart's mask. Mask design videos are so dope. Yeah, but the man, the the, this he went all out with the Ring of Fire thing, which which by the way is what they play when they win a game in Calgary. So it It it's a direct tie in. The thing looked great. It looked phenomenal. And Carter Hart did something very similar with the Johnny Cash vibes. If you're not familiar, if you didn't (laughs) if you didn't see, shout out to Paint Zoo on Instagram. Who is, uh, who is an incredible mask artist there. Okay. Uh,
0: so I will say that the same four teams make it in the Pacific, but then I will also put the Vancouver Canucks in. Really? I'm, I'm seeing a bounce back, right? Pettersson started out really slow last year. Besser started out slow last year. Organizationally, they were a bit of a mess. That's kind of gotten a touch better. I think, I think there's an opportunity there. I think there's going to be a wild card spot available. Uh, spoiler alert to the central division. I don't think more than three teams ma- there are making it. Um, Interesting. So I think there will be a spot available out west, and I do think it's it's there for Vancouver to go grab. I I don't know for sure if they're going to be able to do it, but I, I there's my call. There you go. Got to make a prediction somewhere. So. Mm-hmm. All right, moving to the Central. uh, Last year's playoff teams were Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, and Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and skip the drama here because I only have three spots available, and I will say that it's Colorado, Colorado, Dallas, and and Minnesota. Okay. Um, I don't see Winnipeg. man, I winnipeg is a disaster waiting to happen yeah. um and then the rest of the division you have nashville st louis arizona and chicago arizona's finally started signing human beings to play for their team so uh, <laughs> they might make a little make it a little more interesting and uh, right. chicago again we expect to kind of sit at the bottom of that division again but
1: yeah i mean so i'll spare the but drama they're gonna be better. right i'll spare the drama on this and say i have the same top three that you do okay um I don't know if it, it, that this was a tight division last year for those three teams, so yeah. I don't know if it's going to be the same order. Um, that might be a yeah, hint. that's fair, yeah. You know, that not... might be a hint to something that I say later on, just to just, okay. just, just, just to point out. Um, I don't love Winnipeg this year. I think they probably took a step back. Yep. Um, I'm St. Louis makes me curious. Okay. I don't like like they're they're that, they're this type of team. That they could be really good or really bad. It's it, they're in a unique situation. Nashville kind of has some of that vibe too. Like, like, I'm, I'm Let's just say here's here's the easiest way for me to describe this fourth pick for you. I'll give I'll give an edge to Nashville here on the final playoff spot, but I think is this is going to be kind of as the well, breaking point? right. And I'm but I'm but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you that Nashville, St. Louis, I'll throw Calgary into the mix at this point for this also. Um, well, even Seattle too. I'll throw Seattle into it from the other division as well. And I'll even give give a nod to Arizona, who I think is going to be a little bit better than people think. I think you're looking at a team who makes the – I mean, the last playoff spot in the West last year was Winnipeg at 95. I think that the last playoff spot this year could very easily be 90, 92 points.
0: I agree. And and, well, and that's kind of why I went five teams in the Pacific, uh, because there's just not as many free points in the central. Like Arizona, like I said, signed human beings got way better. Uh, The Chicago Blackhawks acquired Connor Bedard in the draft. uh, Taylor Hall via trade got dramatically better. I'm not saying they're going to be good, but they're going to have more than 59 points this year.
1: No. And well, and I kind of because obviously I left them out of including them in any of these other teams. Arizona is still going to be better than Chicago this year.
0: Pro- oh yeah, definitely. I well, think, because- I think Arizona will be in the playoff race far longer than any of us think they will be.
1: And I, and I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm not, look, I'm not taking anything away from Bedard who I still think will win the call and all that type of stuff, but I'm going to tell you, Logan Cooley is going to bring an impact cool. to that team yeah. in Arizona. That is going to be impressive. And it's uh, going to make people pay a lot more attention to the Arizona Coyotes than you than you did last year, you know.
0: I'll I'll get into my call their vote next. Don't worry.
1: Oh, you got something up your sleeve, don't you? Don't you worry. But okay. Oh, I hope you go uh, a direction that I think you might be going with this because if it's okay. really if it's really out of left field, I'm going to be very it's, happy. It's Picante, don't worry. Okay.
0: Um, okay, so you have Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, and then you said uh I said Nashville Nashville kind first of spot.
1: Y- for, okay. Yes, and mostly because of goaltending, but, but again, to me, that's going to be the 92-point mark is probably the highest, and I would put all of those other— t- I Actually, believe me, I think Winnipeg actually slips even a little further here. Okay. Um, I mean, so like, I think St. Louis and Calgary have a better shot of stealing that final wild card spot than than Winnipeg does, and I think Arizona hangs around longer than people think also. Okay. That's probably it. I mean Fair Vancouver enough. Vancouver probably hangs around for a decent amount of time too like it's real like it's really the bottom teams are still the bottom the, teams.
0: In the the world. West is pretty interesting. You have Colorado, you have Vegas and Edmonton. Yeah and who then- are based- Right. And then Dallas is pretty close to kind of that powerhouse status too. I think they're all there at this point.
1: I think they're even there potentially. Jake
0: Ottinger, Miro Heiskin, and Jason Roberts. And they're, yeah, they're loaded.
1: And continuing um, to get in, going that direction. Get, sure.
0: Continuing to get more loaded. Right. Yes. Um, but other than that, it's wide open. Like you yeah. have your four powerhouse teams at the top, and then five through 12 or 13 in the divi- in the yeah, conference because in fairness, have a
1: chance. I said, yeah, because in fairness, I. Don't know what kind of team Minnesota is going to be. And by the way, Minnesota just lost Jared Spurgeon for week to week. You yeah. know, like
0: like how many deal. how many teams out west can you genuinely say with a hundred percent fact that they're not going to make the playoffs? Chicago,
1: I'd say Anaheim, Chicago, Arizona, Anaheim, San Jose. I think Vancouver's still a certainty there. I know you like them a little bit more there, but so I don't
0: think Arizona is making the playoffs. But I don't think it's as much of a certainty as you do.
1: I still think it's a certainty, just because I still think there's enough teams above them. That's the only reason I'll call it. That. But I think, but I think they hang around. Oh, I think they hang around. Don't be surprised if anymore.
0: they're within four or five points come early February. Like they're, they're gonna be right me. in the range. Yeah.
1: No, that still wouldn't surprise me. I would. You know what I'm gonna be curious about? If they're still within that range, then which is still very possible, there's still a month until the trade deadline at that point. Do they add? Well, not do they add. I wonder if they f- start to fall out of it then, and then sell because they know they can Maybe. get assets. The old national no, well, And then and then the last month and change of that year is brutal. Yeah. Because there's no way around happened, it. Though. Like that's right. about all the here, dead way. Well, because here's the thing. You by the way, and this is something we didn't mention because I brought in the Logan Cooley effect for Arizona. Here's something I'll mention because I think that they've got a really talented goaltender who has the potential to steal you some games. famelka has got the chance to steal some games that they didn't have. I
0: agree. Between like, him and Cooley, they're gonna. They're gonna. And I mean, they got stuff.
1: and they got young guys well beyond Cooley, obviously. I, of like, I'm not saying that, but but when Cooley decided that he was going to join instead of maybe another college year, right. you know, geez, you know, like well, that to and me came out that they, looking
0: as spectacular as he did. Sure, he looks good. But okay. Uh, so let's move let's move, over the, let's move over to the East here. Uh, the teams in the Atlantic last year, uh, mm-hmm. we had the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa, Florida. Uh, that's, your, that's your playoff cutoff. And then you have the Buffalo Sabres, the Ottawa Senators, the Detroit Red Wings, and the Montreal Canadiens. So we can kind of forget about the Montreal Canadiens because they're oh, cut we off definitely the bottom and gone. <laughs> but one through seven... I think we we got a battle here. I don't did know it, how many spots come out of this. Did I, we say, no,
1: I I got I want to go back to the west for one second with a question. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, well just because did we say we were going to give division winners at all or were we passing that up? We're we can if fight. you want. But... No, 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 the reason I'm saying is because I like it's been pretty easy to identify who the division winner is going to be out of this Atlantic Division for a long for, time. Yeah. For no, for a long no like for the past five years you can probably easily pinpoint who you thought it was going to be or close to
0: probably closer to 10 years just on on a year-to-year basis yeah absolutely
1: right this might be the biggest wild card that they've had in a long time yeah, I, I don't they, think it is well, oh, I, well I, I, I think okay,
0: with why, the vasilevsky injury i think answers the question
1: oh well I, 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 to me it didn't i still had my I, my answer was going to be the same even without the injury but i'll
0: I, yeah. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs win the division. So do I. I, I that's think that's where probably, I was going with that. Well, right. I think that they were probably going to win the division regardless. I think the Vasilevsky injury removes the question.
1: It, it does uh, a little bit. I mean, here's here's the thing with this division because I'm having a tough time with this one. because yeah, how,
0: how many teams? Because th-
1: we talked I mean, about – the want to say four.
0: Right. So we talked about the West being four power-heavy teams and then it's kind of wide open. The East is kind of the opposite where it's just 12 teams that are crazy fighting right. for eight spots.
1: So this is going to get really interesting because here's the thing. Yep. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I agree. I thought Tor- I think Toronto wins the division mm-hmm. because to me, I think Toronto's got the best total package right now Absolutely. as we speak today. Boston's got to figure out what everything looks like without Bergeron and, Krejci. <sighs> yeah. and it's and it's going to be a potential adjustment. I'm going to fall think... into the
0: same trap I fell into last year and tell you that Boston doesn't make the playoffs.
1: I'm not going there. I think that they, I honestly think they really? still finish third in division. Okay. I'm willing I... to give them top three material, but I don't think,
0: I think there's been too much advancement in the bottom half of that division.
1: I, I would love to agree, but I felt that way last year and nothing changed, you know? Yeah,
0: but it did though, because uh, Buffalo missed the playoffs by one point.
1: True. I think,
0: right. And and Ottawa was in the race until early March. And, like, things have changed.
1: Things have changed.
0: It's no longer the the Bruins, uh, Leafs, and Lightning dominating the top and just beating up on the five punching bags at the bottom of the division. It no, is I hear a you. much tighter division than it was even two or three years ago. Um, who are your playoff um, teams? Well, you I, have Toronto, I, you have Boston.
1: Yeah, so I, I still think Toronto, Boston, and Tampa all make our it. locks. Okay. Yeah. Now here's the thing, I'm not gonna act like I'm surprised if one of those two specifically, because I don't. I feel su- I feel supremely confident that Toronto is in this thing. There's every reason to believe that. Put that among X next to Boston, and, now. but among Boston and Tampa, I would probably like I wouldn't be surprised if it went so far south with the, with either of them, given whatever the situation. Like in Boston's case, it's you lost two locker room leaders and on ice leaders and what kind of effect does that have? They still have a lot of talent. I still think they've got good goaltending and I think that they've got a foundation that can get them there. I don't think it's going to look pretty, you know, obviously like it's not going to, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the shiny NHL record winning season that they had in the regular season this time around. It's going to be far from that. I mean, like uh, to me, seriously, like you're talking about a team that had 135 points in the regular season last year. I don't think I, they're making it. I think you shave off thirty-five points. I think Minimum. you shave
0: off. I think you shave off forty-five, maybe fifty.
1: I still think they're going to be in the mid. Though I think I think mid nineties. Anything beyond mid nineties is a stretch. But
0: I understand. But I, your top line centers, Charlie Coyle. Come on, man.
1: Um, I'm cur- I don't know if that's going to hold for the whole year. If if it's okay. Zaka, then I think you've got a little bit more there. You know what think, I'm saying, though. Think, no, it still think, gets
0: pretty thin pretty quick. Oh,
1: I know. But but you know what? Also, there's the inevitable – there's an inevitable trade that's probably waiting to happen or something like – Have
0: you mentioned your fourth team yet?
1: No, I have not yet to okay. this point. Okay. Because because to me, this is – because Florida is going to have a very big period with, with what – like what they put everybody through and, and the whole – the, you know, the trying to get the Stanley Cup and all that, it's, it took a lot out of that team. They lost pieces along the way, too. It's, this is going to be a very interesting year for them. And I'm not a 1,000% convinced that they make the playoffs. I'm not either. Like, to me, no. I still think Detroit's probably below both Florida and Buffalo. I agree. Ottawa's a little bit more of a wild card there, but I think I think maybe this is the year. This might be the year the drought is over, and I think this is the year Buffalo maybe jumps past Florida in this case and makes the playoffs. That's what I'm thinking.
0: I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to make the playoffs. Okay. I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to make the playoffs. I think that the Buffalo Sabres are going Mm -hmm. to make the playoffs. I think they will be in a divisional spot.
1: Whoa, you're going top three.
0: And... I see a universe where they finish ahead of Tampa for the 2-3. Wow. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if Vasilevsky is out for two months and then takes another three weeks to ramp up, Mm -hmm. I I think there's a chance that Buffalo uh, accrues enough points that they can get themselves in a position to take second place there. Uh, And then uh, I believe that's it for that division.
1: You're going three and yep. three only. So you I are am leaving- cutting
0: out the Boston Bruins. I am cutting yeah. out the Florida Panthers and, and the Ottawa Senators, I believe, are going to be in the discussion. But I, I am mm-hmm. leaving them out of the playoffs as well. Yep.
1: OK. Um, one. Here's the thing. I will give you this with Buffalo because I do agree on a lot of this. I think that Buffalo find Like there's an element for Buffalo where something is eventually has to give. You've got on the back end. You've got Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Mm-hmm. On the front, you've got Tage Thompson is the leader of this, obviously, but you've oh, got a Tuck's whole there. bunch of players. Yeah, well, Tuck is there, but you, you should have a bunch of young guys who are just ready to make noise. Not to mention the fact that I, I don't believe I've seen anything of the sort just yet. So Zach Benson might make the team out of camp.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's that good. Like mm-hmm.
0: Matthew Savoy, too
1: you got to push for this at this point. Like you've, you've built this for years and years and years, and you've got a bunch. And oh, by the way.
0: And oh, by the way, you've got $8 million in cap space.
1: Yeah, that's true, too. Um, and oh, by the way, in goal.
0: Uh-huh. You have, uh, by the way, the 2024 Calder Trophy winner. You're going there, aren't you? Devin Levi.
1: Uh, my fantasy team thanks you already.
0: He got sniped for me. Otherwise I would have, but
1: uh, well, it, it was sitting Devin there for Lee a little I, while. And I said, you know what? Yeah. This kid's good. And he's got a real oh, shot. He got like,
0: snagged. He got sniped for me in like the third round. What? Keeper league, baby.
1: Oh, keeper league. That's keeper league, league okay. baby. So sorry. Okay. Well, in a year where we redraft every year,
0: That's I believe,
1: I believe, I believe eighth round still pretty high. It, oh, um, it is oh, – yeah, I'm saying after the run of goalies where everybody, took, where everybody takes guys like you know, all the traditional guys, and I'm sitting here trying you know, – I'm sitting here trying to play, look into the crystal ball and go, guess what happens at the end of the year where this guy – I don't think he wins the Calder, but I think he's in the he's a finalist. Like,
0: I, th- I think there's a real chance he wins 40 games this year.
1: I mean that would be remarkable if that's the case, but I, – I
0: think he's going <laughs> to play a ton. I, I do he's think he's going to play a ton. I do I like think, I feel like he's starting goalkeeper and yes. I think he's going to win a ton.
1: I think year. he's going to be good. I just I don't know if I would go forty, but I do think he's going to win a lot of games.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, all right. So those are our predictions for the Atlantic. You have four teams: uh, Boston, Toronto, Tampa, and
1: uh, Buffalo, I threw Buffalo in. Right. Yes. So I, 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 I think I did differently Tampa, than, than you is I kept yep. Buff- I kept Boston in the picture.
0: All right. So that means you have four teams in the Metro as well. Who are they? I do. Because um, last year's teams, by the way, just keeping up that theme here, is uh, Carolina, New Jersey, New York, and New York. Right uh with Pittsburgh am... Washington the Flyers and Columbus missing uh again the Flyers and Columbus we pretty much expect them to miss as well again this year so
1: we do um i'm keeping 3 out of the 4 playoff teams from last year in the picture which is Carolina New Jersey and the New York Rangers i am subbing out the New York Islanders with the Pittsburgh Penguins
0: okay um i agree i Think they're both gonna make it though. I think you have the Islanders making it too. Yeah, I think I think Horvat and Barzell is enough to get them in. I I think, um, yeah, they're just they're a good team. It's hard to bet against Lou Lamarello Just finding a way to get into the playoffs.
1: See, I don't love them. I gen- I just don't love them. I don't. But they are know. your
0: typical. They are your typical. Oh, they, they are. And they, I, just... that team is the perfect example. of... When someone mentions the sum being more than the parts.
1: Well, by the way, so, okay, listen, you, you just brought up, like you just brought up with Florida and Buffalo, by the way, the Buffalo missed the playoffs by a grand total of one point. The Islanders were only in the playoffs by virtue of two points. Then both on Buffalo and Pittsburgh last year. I don't think the Islanders improved near as much as Pittsburgh did, and I think that's strictly the Eric. Like, if you tell me the Eric Carlson effect is not worth two more points in the standings, I think no, I right. so, I agree. Like, I, and I, I just and I just don't agree. see the rise from like I don't see the rise from the Islanders even keeping well, Horvath. I don't, I, Corvette, I don't you know?
0: necessarily see the rise either. I really do think it is a matter of I think the Islanders are still a better team than. The Bruins, then the Panthers, then the Senators. Well, that's I, fair.
1: See, you're taking the chance on the Islanders I'm, making it over, maybe even a team in the Atlantic. I, I'm here.
0: looking at them squeaking into that second wild card. I have five teams. Okay, coming so you out are the putting Metro them as the
1: last one in, though. And so, I, probably, yeah. Like you if have Pittsburgh I, above them.
0: We're not necessarily delineating that tightly, but yeah, I I would probably no, be the least confident in them. And yeah, I would generally speaking, you have
1: Pittsburgh out- ahead of the Islanders, though. Yeah,
0: almost definitely. Okay. I think I, mean, I I don't think P- Sidney Crosby. If he's fighting Peyton Krebs in the preseason, <laughs> yeah, I right. don't think he is allowing them to miss the playoffs this year.
1: I just think that he's now just they've I mean, I just think that now that you don't take first of all, you make all those changes in the offseason anyway, and I'm not talking about on the ice, I'm talking front office wise. I mean, you go out and you get you get the general manager that everybody seems to want or would have wanted. Right. right? He, he
0: was the stud-free agent general manager on the scene. Exactly. You,
1: you, And then, oh, by the way, one of his first orders of business is look at the trade that I can swing. You know, hey, let's just bring in the reigning Norris Trophy winner, you know, to join a blue line that has Chris Letang on it already. And oh, by the way, the power play unit that he's going to be on is going to have Crosby, Malkin, Gensel. Maybe Letang's with them. If not, it's probably Brian Rust. Who cares? It doesn't matter. The fifth guy doesn't even make a difference. The four others are going to do all the work stupid. It's going to be. Wild, exactly. But. Exactly. I'm also, you know, this is also me saying that with Eric Carlson in fantasy as well.
0: Sure. And, and the, the penguins <laughs> do have some uh, concerns, obviously, if any of their big guys go down, they've all had injury pasts. Mm-hmm. Um, they are an older team. That is one of the risks there. They do have some questions in net. You know, they're, they're definitely not you know the most complete team that we're talking sure. about here on the list, but I think they are still good enough to get towards. Well, the and the other
1: thing too is, and I, I'm sure this is probably the same for you, but to me, it doesn't matter anyway, because in the in the big picture, the team that we're talking about making the last playoff spot in the East is not a big
0: deal. Uh, no. And frankly, <laughs> uh, the, the East is going to be so good that whoever sneaks in 7-8, probably not expecting them to do much. But then again... We said the same thing about the Florida Panthers this year. So That's true. That is that, very true. That is the great thing about hockey and the NHL in general is that so, it's just such a random sport. So these here's teams the thing. are close so enough.
1: So here's yeah. the thing: I know, like, we obviously we gave a division winner for the Atlantic. I don't necessarily need to give division winners for the Western Conference, but I am curious: who's your division winner? The in the Metro? So, same here. Okay, and so we are. They
0: Man, unless one of the teams out west just runs roughshod, I think the Devils are a real contender to win the President's Trophy.
1: That's an interesting choice. I don't disagree with you. I think that's a very, very good team over there.
0: And if you're going to sit here and ask me who's winning the Stanley Cup in 2024, go ahead. I put the Devils there. I don't know if they win it, but I put them in the series. I I would probably pick them to come out of the west or out of the east at this point. Okay. Is who?
1: So who it's, are you putting in who are you pulling out of the West to play them if that's man. the case?
0: <laughs> I wanna say, I wanna say the Oilers so bad. Yeah, because okay. every year, every year the correct answer is Connor McDavid should be there. Okay. Um it's hard to bet against Colorado. You know, here we are. Sure. Okay.
1: <laughs> Just do the, it.
0: Just go for it. The New Jersey Devils. Yes. Versus Yes. the Dallas Stars. Oh, Dallas Stars. Yep. Jake your baby. Meryl. Oh,
1: I'm not saying, oh, come on, because I disagree. I'm saying, oh, come on, because that's exactly the Stanley Cup final. Really? It's <laughs> yep. exactly the two teams I think. Oh, I, think you're, I think you're getting 2,000 rematch.
0: We've been co-hosting too long together. It's been, what, three or year, four like, years?
1: Yeah. Um, now, I got to be careful about how I kind of describe the rest of this year because, like, here's the thing. I'm not trying to detail the whole playoff picture here, but, like, the most important series in the Eastern Conference to me in the playoff race that leads up to the Stanley Cup final is going to be probably the inevitable Carolina-New Jersey series that comes in round two. Oh, because, yeah. like, I, I want to say that's your conference final, but it's not. We know this. Thanks, we, Gary.
0: We will all complain about the one-through-eight yeah. system when we I hear see you. the Thanks, matchups. Thanks, Gary. Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: Anyway, but that's, that's probably, to me, the... That's the that's the match right there because there's there's an element where I agree with you that like because because here's the thing. You put Edmonton possibly on the other side for a, like for a second. But
0: them in right? Vegas is kind of the same matchup. It's gonna happen in the second round and well, it's gonna feel Vegas like a conference is, final.
1: Them in Vegas, it does feel like that. But what I was gonna sit there and say was is that like I see a world where Carolina and Edmonton meet in the cup final too. Absolutely. I see that world existing. I see I see that final.
0: any of the the four powerhouse teams out West could easily find their way there just for the record. I mean, look,
1: yeah, you're right. I think, and I think that's the battle right there. I mean, is
0: anybody surprised if Vegas, Edmonton, Colorado, or Dallas is sitting there?
1: Nobody. I I think that it almost, you know what? That's the thing that made last year so much fun, by the way, was watching as yeah, sure. Vegas and Edmonton made it to the second round. Then Vegas moved on. Colorado was out in the first round though and you know
0: yeah I expect them to come back angry
1: you know Dallas won a series and then you know you know what I'm saying like there was just it was just this yeah like you just had this dog fight and it was I, the playoffs were incredible last year D- Dallas was very close last year though you got to admit that much I, like, that's why I have them there this year yeah like that Absolutely. You got to remember that was the conference final last year was Dallas Vegas you know like it's there they're they're right there Yep. and i think that they've got the i look they i've i've talked for years about how much i like the core that dallas has built and i think that they are hungry for the next step some of some of them because of what they tasted in the bubble in 2020 but also some of which got the taste last year too. like yep. their, their arc is They're very motivated. Their arc is very close. I mean, not, not in terms of being in existence, obviously, but their arc is very close to Vegas's. Yeah. Make, Absolutely. make a final, get bumped in the first round when you thought you deserved better, Right, a goalie, get, you know, you know, yep. get, you know, get to a conference final and be right there too. Eventually you're going to probably win, you know,
0: and maybe this is their year. And you know what the exciting part is, Kevin, it the NHL season start. begins this week. Tuesday, the NHL eight? season, as we record right now, the, the NHL season begins in less than 48 hours. Yes.
1: So, all right. So I want to do one more season preview exercise okay. before we get out of here, because obviously we just did the season preview portion for the league. Yeah. And we talked about playoffs and all that stuff like that. Obviously, neither of us included the flyers in our <sighs> playoff of course. pictures because we know better. Um, but that's the, this is the interesting question. So where do they finish in the standings? Collectively.
0: Ideally as low as possible. Um, So looking at the league standings here, I'm just going to kind of talk about these teams at the bottom of the list. Uh, The teams that finished below them last year. Sure. Uh, We've talked about the fact that Arizona is probably going to pass them and probably finish above them in the standings this year. We imagine. I see that. Yep. Um, Montreal is pro. the Flyers are probably going to finish right around wherever Montreal finishes.
1: I agree. With I, that. I
0: think, I think that is the team that you're looking at this year as the track. Uh, that is the pace um, because to me, San Jose, Chicago and Anaheim are definitely still way behind. Uh, and I think Columbus is even probably still the next tier. I think they're going to be a step above those super basement teams. Um, but I do think Columbus will take a little bit of a step forward. Uh, so I, I'm looking at the flyers picking around five or six, in next year's draft. Cause that's what we're talking about, right? Come on.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, so here's the best way I look at it because I know that people have this debate about how they're going to win too many games, this, that, the other thing, right? I, I start by asking where do they finish in the division? Because that's the first place you start. Can you take the other seven teams that they play with regularity and say they're, better than any of them columbus and maybe. i think columbus maybe is a touch better than they are and the only reason i say That's that fair. is be- and the only reason i say that is because i think columbus very much committed to what was going on the second that zach wierenski was out for the year absolutely and, and then the rest of the injuries followed you now get wierenski back with ivan Provorov on the team now by the way yep on top of the fact that you got better at forward just with another year of development for everybody else And oh, by the way you're just going to magically go into the draft and pick up and drop Adam Fantilli into the mix too, which, you know, by the way, again, another, you know, come on in fantasy here for me. Like, uh, you know, I,
0: and it seems like the team has bonded dramatically after the whole Mike Babcock thing. Sure. So you you might just get a team with a chip on their shoulders that wins right. and that's, 16 and of their first 20.
1: And I didn't take a leap and go, they're going to make the playoffs of or course. anything like that. But I, but I do think that, that six, like that's a 16-point gap in the standings from last year you know, with the Flyers above them. I that's mean. why I
0: hesitated on the jump. I think it's going to be close.
1: But I don't think it was near as far as what that gap really was. That's fair. And that's, especially that's especially where, the post-trade
0: deadline. Line Philadelphia sure. Flyers, I mean, which well, is basically just, the roster that's coming back.
1: Right. So that's the first part. So I don't think there's anybody. I think they finished last in the division. I don't think there's anybody that's worse than they are.
0: It's them or Columbus. I could I could see it going either way, but fair enough. Right. But,
1: then I go to the Atlantic and I say every team in the Atlantic's better except for Montreal. I mean Yeah. I mean uh, it's I don't to, even hard to argue against that. I don't like even Detroit. Detroit just got Alex to bring it. You think that doesn't I, no, I, a couple I know. more wins? I know. You know, in some capacity. So okay, there you go. I look at the Western Conference and I start in the Central and I go again, every single team. Like, I, th- I think that, like, again, I think that Winnipeg and St. Louis are somewhere in the middle with Nashville, but somewhere in the middle. And they're going to have good a, enough teams that they're going right, to the have Flyers. interesting years, but they're going to be right. in the 80 point mark. Like, and you they're have to in, be mid 80s. They're talking, good enough teams
0: 80. that they're they're taking three out of four points from you, sure. when you play your two games.
1: I think Arizona may be better. I agree. Like I think they may. I don't look. I don't doubt that Chicago's jump is not going to be 16 points here. No, I, I do think. I do think the Bedard effect makes it closer.
0: That's fair. Especially yeah. Especially if him and Hart find any Hall find any sort of chemistry. Sure.
1: And then obviously uh, you go to the San Pacific Jose and, and
0: Anaheim are pretty. Well, attratious. you go to the
1: Pacific and you can wipe out the top four teams that got a hundred points last year. Sure. And but they, even if they got a little bit worse, it doesn't matter. Calgary should be better. I think Vancouver's better. And then San Jose. Anaheim see here's here's the one thing I will say. I don't think I don't think Anaheim's the worst team in the league next year or the, I agree. this season. I think Anaheim I think Anaheim jumps San, San Jose. I think Anaheim may even have a chance to jump a Montreal in this case.
0: I don't I honest. don't disagree. So you're putting the Flyers healthy. you're putting the Fires kind of somewhere in the 3-4 range.
1: I think they'll finish 4th.
0: Okay. I kind of have them in the 5-6 range, so we're not Like I
1: I come off. away from this thinking, well, Fourth, fourth is a little extreme. I, I, like, here's what I'll say: Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago, and Montreal—they're the only four teams I think that come any that they're are close. They're clearly worse, right? That are worse. So I think that they fall right. Maybe actually, what I'm saying is I think they'll finish fifth. Okay. And then you cross your fingers and hope that the lottery balls go your way.
0: Yep. Well, and the great news is there's nothing left to do now but wait and see. Uh, the season kicks off Tuesday night. The Flyers start Thursday night. Yep. We'll be back next Sunday to talk about all of it. In the meantime, find us everywhere you find your podcast. We're at YWT Podcast, uh, everywhere, including SportsTalkPhilly.com. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the like button over there. It really helps us out. And uh, Kevin, it's time for hockey, man.
1: I'm ready it's time to go. for the Let's season. Let's go. Yeah. It's, all it's right. great.
0: We will be back next week. Until then, we will see Philadelphia Flyers hockey, and we'll see you.